you in so-called midlife and found yourself suddenly single after probably years of marriage and you're absolutely shitting it? Maybe you're on a divorce downer and have zero idea how the fuck to move on. Or you know how to in theory, but it's just not happening. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Divorce Chapter podcast, where we turn the unexpected divorce plot twist into a new and improved happily ever after. I'm Sarah Elizabeth, divorce coach and mentor, and I'm with you on this mission to rewrite our stories and make this next chapter the best goddamn one yet. Hello and welcome back. Okay, so we've got a bit of a further, I don't know, addendum, appendix, if you like, to last week's love language episode because some more info has emerged. So apparently, the author of the book on love languages appears to be a bigot who, because of his Christian faith, does not agree with divorce, even in situations of abuse and domestic violence. I mean, what the actual fuck? Apparently, he has also said that divorce can never lead to personal happiness. Well, Dr. Gary Chapman, you are a tosser and you can fuck off. So I looked into it some more and found that there is also a solo love language version of the book, which was what I was trying to cover last week. But clearly that is for people single pre-marriage, not post-divorce, because that's apparently not allowed. (gasps) This kind of utter bullshit is exactly what perpetuates societal stigma of divorce. It's bullshit. So, We'll just carry on over here, sitting in our happiness from divorce and finding ways to create our own ways of getting our love needs met. Maybe we should start divorce as a love language that we love ourselves enough to know that an unfaithful, abusive, narcissistic partner is out of our lives. (sighs) You do you, boo. Honestly, of course, he's a fucking man. Anywho, so... That was the further add-on to last week's episode. But we continue to create our own love language of loving ourselves first and foremost. So there. And breathe. And on to this week's episode. Where I said I would talk about Christmas post-divorce. Maybe even Christmas fucking love language, eh? I'm letting it go, honestly. I'm moving on. So, Christmas. Now, this is a toughie. I think because... I don't know, we place so much emphasis on this picture-perfect fucking Christmas so that when it doesn't look like a magical Christmas movie or we haven't got anyone to pose in matching fucking pyjamas for poxy cards, we feel like we're failing a bloody life or something. So after divorce and with all the feelings that are already pervading our lives every single day. It's like Santa's taking a huge fucking shit on us. 
So let's strip it back and have some thoughts around how we can make it easier for ourselves post-divorce. So first up, creating new traditions. A Christmas comes with so many family traditions, doesn't it? I think we all grow up with many different ways, which means many different Christmases. And I ain't just talking about those terrible foil decorations that covered every ceiling in the 70s and 80s, mate. You know, when I was little and Father Christmas was still a thing, we had our presents from Santa in the morning. Then the rest of the presents when grandparents came late morning. My mum still went to church on Christmas Day and she'd make the Yorkshire pudding mix before she went. Because my mum was born in Yorkshire and she was the queen of homemade Yorkshire puddings. Except a tradition in our house, actually not just at Christmas, but every Sunday with a roast, was that we had Yorkshire pudding as a starter. Now, this was apparently an old Yorkshire tradition when money was tight because the ingredients for Yorkshire puddings was cheaper in comparison to expensive meat and veg. So I believe the thought process was that by having them as a starter, people would fill up on the cheap crap and therefore eat less of the expensive stuff. And I remember one Christmas, my younger cousin's coming and one of them said when it came out as a starter, is that all we've got? York put. I did west there. But you can see how much traditions become so set in us. I'd often force my brother to put on a show after dinner when everyone just wanted to go to sleep. And then we'd have cold meats later in the evening, watching TV, only fools and horses, and always my grandma's sherry trifle. When I then met my ex-husband, I had to adapt to some of his family traditions. One I wasn't prepared to adapt for, though was the absence of pigs in blankets. For some absurd reason, they'd never had them. So I added in that into their tradition and that became my job every year with my mother-in-law. She did everything else and I did the pigs in blankets. Then as our boys got girlfriends, we had to adapt again sometimes, like not everyone had Christmas pudding after the turkey dinner. Some had Yule log. I've got friends who do their Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve so that Christmas Day can be all about relaxing with the presents. It's funny, but all these things are just some habits that we've built up over the years that become these traditions. But after divorce, it does mean adapting some of these traditions. When you eat, what you eat, when you do presents, even what day you celebrate. Now, a lot of this is cultural. We are often very country centric in how we see and expect Christmas to be. Like some countries don't even celebrate on the 25th of December. Other cultures and faiths, whether they believe in Jesus or not, will have entirely different celebrations, which kind of brings me back to that setting new traditions after divorce. Are your kids, whether they're adults or smaller kids, going to be with your ex on Christmas Day? Like I think I've said before, mine were that first year on my own. Is there a way that you can celebrate Christmas Day on another day entirely? I always laugh at a friend who used to change her daughter's birthday every year when she was tiny so they could make it around weekends and family. But seriously, Christmas Day, yes, in the UK at least, it's traditionally 25th of December. But that doesn't mean you can't create a new tradition of an extra Christmas Day, whether that be 24th, 26th or even before or after, even early December if you bloody want. You can have 
your Christmas day whenever you goddamn want to, my love. You know, I was speaking to someone who divorced from her ex-husband when her two children were small. And since then, one year they sleep at one parent's on Christmas Eve and wake up to presents, then go to the other parent for lunch and more presents. Yeah, those lucky kids that divorce get two Christmases. That's one bonus. Anyway, yeah, they do this swap thing then on alternate years. And her daughter, who's now a teenager, said, what happened when she gets a partner and has their family to contend with too? And her mum just said, we'll spread it out over as many days as we want. And you see, that's the way to think of it. There's no law that says 25th of December is the only sacred day you can celebrate. There is no law to say whether presents are morning or afternoon, whether York puds are a starter. They can even be Yorkshire puddings as desserts, although I fundamentally disagree with that, even though they're the same ingredients as pancakes, which should be sweet. Anywho, you see, every one of us has different ideas. Christmas pud or Yule log, tinsel or no. And also presents. Now, Christmas is also about abundance and giving, right? But it's also a commercial nightmare and often means people end up in debt and shit just because they can't afford whatever's on the latest ad and let's not even get started on who we give presents to i remember those first few christmases after divorce and wondering whether i should still buy a gift for my mother-in-law and i did for the first few years at least in fact one christmas a couple of years later I spent it at my eldest son's with my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and two of my gorgeous nieces. And it was fab. But really, Christmas and the story of the magic should be about sharing more than your fucking bank account. I know, given my financial situation after my divorce, I had to significantly reduce my previous budget because I just couldn't do it anymore. And that is okay. It shouldn't become a competition with your ex as to who buys your kids the best presents. If you're on amicable terms with your ex, it may well be worth having a chat with them to agree budgets and who's buying what before you end up both buying the same thing from the wish list. Give presents only to who the fuck you want to and do not get yourself in debt doing so. Aside from not overspending, Remember, there are no rules. As I say, it's about creating your own traditions. What a nice way to start Christmas post-divorce in setting a fun new tradition that you never shared with your ex. It's another way entirely of redesigning your new life exactly as you want it to be. Getting rid of the ghost of Christmas past. And even who you want to spend it with, you know, presents as in people rather than presents as in gifts and all that. Presents over presents. Which brings me on to connection. It's hard, man, when you haven't got your kids with you after divorce and they're spending it with your ex. It's fucking hard. And I'm not going to say anything otherwise. And even if you do, as I suggest, and create a new tradition of a different date some years, it's likely that there will be some feelings when December 25th rolls around. Again, it's because Christmas symbolises connection. It symbolises family. Picture perfect Christmas cards of those fucking matching pyjamas. 
all sitting around a table, eating, laughing, playing board games, going for a walk together post-lunch. There ain't no Christmas cards showing a person on their own they're eating a microwave meal watching EastEnders special, is there? But, you know, as I always say, as much as it feels like it, other people around isn't always the answer. If you were to ask me what my worst Christmas ever was, it was 100% Christmas 2012. I was still married. Everything was as it had been for some years since my parents had died. I'd wake up with my husband, have Prosecco for breakfast, you know, let the kids have chocolate for breakfast. It was the one day of the year they were allowed chocolate for breakfast. Open all the presents with the kids. And even though my boys were adults by that time, they still spent Christmas Eve in the same bedroom, waking us up early with excitement. And then late morning, my sister-in-law would come with her children. I'd do the pigs in blankets. You know, the table was set beautifully. You get the picture. And even though I was surrounded by people and all the Christmas things, it looked perfect. It looked amazing. It was the most horrendous Christmas. My ex-husband barely spoke to me all day. He'd sneaked out of the house for a walk with a dog to call his girlfriend, then came back and picked on absolutely every fucking thing I did. It was a horrible atmosphere all day. And that night I went to bed as he stayed downstairs. Obviously, he needed to text his lover. It was just awful. And Looking at the pictures, you honestly wouldn't see it, perhaps, but the atmosphere was so bad, despite that I was surrounded by people. And as you know, I left three days later. Since then, I've had a couple of Christmases where I haven't seen my boys on Christmas Day or things haven't quite gone to plan. One year, I had my Christmas lunch at Costa on the Watford Gap services on the M1 as I was driving back to see my newborn grandson, although that was a very special memory and I can't now drive past the Watford Gap on the M1 without stopping and thinking of my grandson. Anyway, after divorce, it may well end up that you don't get to see your kids on the 25th of December and I'm really not minimising it because it's fucking tough. But, but it's also important not to spend the whole day wallowing like a whale, whale time I call it, but to try it and see people if you can. And don't leave it to the last minute to make plans thinking you're going to be okay. Those first couple of years after the divorce, at least, it's important to try and plan to see people and plan not to be alone. Whether that's friends who are also on their own or even joining a friend's family Christmas. I've done this and it can feel a little bit weird as though you're somehow invading someone else's traditions, but other people would not invite you if that was actually an issue. Some years, if I'm not seeing either son, I have so many people offering me to go there Christmas Day. I feel a bit rude trying to choose. I swear one year I'm going to end up like that episode of the Vicar of Dibley having about or Christmas lunches. Seriously, it's important, however you do it, not to spend the day alone in those early years. Nowadays, it's genuinely not a concern for me, but in those early days, in those early years, it's important. Even if you can get your name down to volunteer at a shelter or something, something 
like that, sometimes seeing that and being part of that can actually remind us of how bloody lucky we are and what we have got. Because we focus so much on what we haven't got, we forget all the amazing things we do have. But although, just as I don't recommend spending Christmas Day alone in those early years, I do think that that period in between Christmas and New Year is quite magical for some alone time, some time for reflection. There's a book called Calm Christmas by Beth Kempton, and she calls this period Twixtmas and describes it as a magical portal, which I think is gorgeous. But honestly, this time can be a great time to take some time out after a tough year, go for some nice walks, light a candle, have a bloody good journal sesh, because we know we love that. I honestly love this time. I get a bit pissed off when I have too many plans in this period. This year, I've got too many plans in this period and it's pissing me off already. But overall, this whole thing, whether it's who you spend your Christmas with, when you spend Christmas, how you do it, it's basically reframing what Christmas means to you and remembering that you have the power to change the way you think about things. There is absolutely no doubt that after divorce, this can be such a tough time. But in the spirit of rewriting our divorce chapter and making it bloody amazing, can we take some of what's at the core of the Christmas story, the magic, and try and sprinkle some of that into our thoughts? There's always the random extended family member who didn't know about the divorce and sends a card to both of you. And that's without fucking Mariah playing everywhere. I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch, but what's so important in those early days, early years after divorce is to put our own stamp on Christmas. I'm not even sure what I'm doing this year. I'm with one son on Christmas Eve, as it's also my grandson's birthday, but on the day itself, I don't even know yet. And if I do end up spending it on my own, you can bet your life I'll be enjoying every fucking minute because I choose to enjoy it no matter when or how I celebrate it or who with. But again, as always, when I'm talking about these issues, I do know and completely recognise that I am now a good few years past divorce. And you may think, oh, it's so easy for you to say, isn't it? I know it's hard. It all feels so hard, especially when we're in the throes of grief still and going up and down those stages of grief in that poxy fucking trek. I do know that, my love, and I've got you. Next week, I'm going to extend these thoughts around Christmas to ways that we can keep calm and regulate our nervous system for if and when all things Christmas do become too much because I know that it might. So I'd love, 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 love to have you back again next week for that. And if you do have any more questions on this or anything else that you'd like me to cover on the podcast too, please do always let me know. So until next week, thank you as always, my loves, for listening with loads of love from me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
thank you for listening to this episode of the Divorce Chapter Podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, please could you do your girl a solid and rate and review the podcast. Wherever you listen, there should be an option to rate and review. And honestly, I can't tell you just how much it helps the podcast algorithm thingamajigs, whatever. And bonus love for me if you share the episode with your friends and on your socials and tag me in it at the divorce chapter. Thank you again so very, very much. I appreciate every single one of you beautiful humans. Have an amazing day.